And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. You can listen on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, or Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail with your questions or comments that we could use on the broadcast at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, Hurricane Dorian has uh, left Florida now and is headed up the East Coast. I've been watching a lot of the weather coverage, and I noticed how they uh, they focused on uh, her, Dor- Dorian's impacts on the Carolinas and Virginia, and they sort of left Georgia out of it. Georgia's got uh, just about 100 miles of coastline, but they've got two, uh, you know, good-sized cities, Savannah and Brunswick uh, there, and uh, a bunch of uh, barrier islands that are just uh, very vulnerable to this storm, especially with this huge storm surges. And uh, we're sending uh, our prayers and uh, best wishes to our brothers up there on Georgia and in the Carolinas as well. We uh, we fared very well from the hurricane, uh, had very minimal impacts. Uh, the worst thing to happen to us was the uh, the season's um, turtle nests were pretty much wiped out. Um, you may not know, but the Atlantic coast of Florida is... Uh, responsible for about 90% of the annual uh, turtle sea turtle egg hatching, and uh, they took quite a beating. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, God spared some of them, and they will uh, they will continue uh, to a healthy uh, rate. The, uh, the 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 media down here that have been uh, just on high alert for going on the whole week have uh, finally gotten a chance for a break, and I'm glad because I was starting to worry about their mental health. Um, and they're uh, finally getting to go home. I, I said that um, we were going to learn that uh, they took many more casualties in the Bahamas, uh, the Grand Bahamas, ABCO, and... Uh, and Grand Harbor, uh, then Marsh Harbor, uh, than we knew yet. And they still are not out with um, updated death tolls. They're still uh, claiming that the death toll so far is at seven. And if you've seen the photographs from the area, you can see that uh, it is total and utter devastation on the north side of Grand Bahamas, especially on those very low-lying residential areas. Uh, They're just entirely wiped out. And uh, the homes uh, just were washed away. There, there are going to be uh, a lot of people who will never be accounted for. Uh, they will never recover a body because they were just washed out to sea. Sort of makes you wonder um, what, uh, what will be the status of uh, any life insurance claims in that regard. But, of course, the, uh, the Democrats and the left-wing media are using this as their uh, opportunity to claim that this is all because of climate change, never mind the fact that um, uh, climatologists and 
the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration say that there has been no uptick in the uh, frequency or severity of of hurricanes. Uh, they don't allow truth to ever get in uh, their their panic driven agendas, and they're uh, they're claiming that uh, you know this should be the final nail in the coffin, and we have to uh, move away from a fossil fuel. Um, uh, centered economy and i just think it's so disrespectful uh before you know the the bodies are even located to try to pursue a political agenda uh that is uh, so obviously contrary to the reality and they uh they of course want us to spend trillions and trillions of dollars uh, actually cory booker finally came out with his climate change plan and and he's got a, a skinny plan. His will only cost a few trillion dollars as opposed to Bernie's that is $17 trillion and uh, AOC that's uh, $15 trillion. Uh, uh, Cory Booker is showing some fiscal restraint apparently by, uh, by coming out with his plan that uh, will cost much, much less. Um, of course, Cory Booker ran the city of Newark for eight years wasn't able to solve any of their problems and, in fact, left the city uh, uh, with high crime and a, a disaster for a water system very similar to you know, Gary, Indiana's. Uh, but, of course, you know, when you have the media at your back uh, hiding these things for, uh, for you, you don't have to, to worry about little things like facts. I mentioned that, uh, you know, this is a shame that uh, they're engaging in this sort of political um, grandstanding at the same time, you know, we're still trying to uh, engage in the recovery efforts down there in the Bahamas. And uh, I found this, uh, this clip of this, um, this tragic story of a man who lost his life, his, his, the, his wife's life. We're doing all right until the water kept coming up and all the appliances were going around the house like a washing machine. That's probably I got hit with something in there. And my poor little wife got hyperfermia and she was standing on top of the kitchen uh, cabinets until they disintegrated. And then I, 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 I kept with her and, and she just drowned on me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. You know, the tragedy uh, that took place down there is, uh, is really beyond uh, words, beyond comprehension. And uh, people are very anxious to do what they can to help down here in South Florida, as I mentioned yesterday. Um, there is a major relief effort uh, through private donations uh, going through the fire departments and police departments. And I saw today where um, uh, a boat was headed down there, a privately owned boat from one of the firefighters uh, that was uh, chucked full of water and, uh, and foodstuffs. So um, if you can uh, help, you can make an online donation at the Bahamas Red Cross Society. Uh, let's see if I can get that address for you. BahamasRedCross.org. That's BahamasRedCross.org. Uh, and you have to keep in mind that these people are not going to uh, have anybody, uh, any big government to turn to because they are a free and independent nation. Well, we're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the an update on the Democrat presidential field. We're going to give a rundown of the 10 remaining candidates and uh, take a look at the ones that uh, did not make the cut and see if we can find anything in common. Stick with us.
Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling. The complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day. And for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. Mojo. Well, we're a little over a week from the next Democrat debate that they have winnowed down the uh, the field from the 20 that made the stage in the last debates, forcing them to hold uh, two nights of debates, to, uh, to one night of debate with 10 candidates left <clears throat> on the stage. And I started uh, looking at uh, who had made the cut and who had not, and something jumped out at me, and that is, uh, with the exception of uh, Joe Biden, all of the remnants of any sort of moderation or or uh, nod to reality has basically been banished from the stage. And I, when I say, with the exception of Joe Biden, Joe Biden um, has uh, seemingly avoided that fate by tossing over all of his uh, his previous views and adopting a far left. Uh, agenda as well he's still running on this sort of reputation that he was a moderate but if you listen to the words that come out of his mouth these days there is anything but um, but you know former colorado governor john hickenlooper a a uh, a very liberal former colorado governor he he wasn't able to get any traction in this uh, democrat uh, primary Washington Governor Jay Inslee that was uh, screaming, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling on this this uh, climate hoax. He also uh, didn't make it. Uh, a Massachusetts uh, Democrat, former Representative Seth Moulton, he, uh, he, he tried to run against Nancy Pelosi uh, because she was too far left and hurting the party, and he didn't make the stage. Um, who else you got Bullock from Montana? He is a Democrat that was able to get elected in a, uh, a solidly red state. Didn't make it. Tim Ryan of Ohio didn't make it. Also, another interesting thing that all of these guys have in common is they're white men. Now, Jim, you say, well, there's all, there's white men left. There's, uh, there's, uh, let's see, there's three white men left in the field. Well, if you take a look at those, they all have some sort of uh, intersectionality. You got uh, Joe Biden, who was, uh, you know, Barack Obama's vice president. Didn't do much while he was there. Definitely didn't do anything to help the country. But uh, he he wraps himself in the in his relationship with Barack Obama at every chance he gets, which may have saved him. Uh, interestingly enough, Barack Obama um, shows no interest at all 
in helping his former vice president that uh, he once called the greatest vice president in the history of the world. He was the greatest vice president in the history of this country, but now Barack Obama can't see his way clear to supporting his campaign, and his wife is just downright uh, dismissive of Joe Biden. The truth of the matter is uh, Joe Biden was brought on as Barack Obama's running mate uh, because He's sort of dim-witted and doesn't have any strong ideas of his own. He just sort of adopts uh, whatever uh, position he needs to for political expediency. Um, and, of course, we got uh, um, crazy Bernie, who, although he is a white man, he is uh, he's also Jewish and he's also a communist. And uh, he's not a socialist. He's not a Democrat socialist. They, people on the right need to stop using that word and call things by what they are. Old Bernie is a communist. I've got a clip here uh, where recently, uh, you know, he was asked a question about China and all he could uh, think to say was to praise the communist dictatorship over there. What is your view of China today? Do you believe China represents an existential threat to the American worker? Let me go forward on this. We would have hoped that they would move toward a democratic more democratic form of government and moving in the opposite direction. Um, and they are a country that vigorously protects their own interests. But what we have to say about China, in fairness to China and its leadership, is if I'm not mistaken, they have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. Okay, so they've done a lot of things for their people. <laughs> That uh, just blows my mind whenever I hear it. He, he ignores entirely the fact that they did it on the back of uh, the globalists that uh, offshored American jobs and prosperity to uh, to bring that um, uh, China's uh, billion people uh, out of poverty. But um, who else? Uh, what other? Oh, you know, we got Beto O'Rourke. He he actually you know spends most of his time uh, slandering and uh, and hating on white people. And in fact, you know, he's adopted this uh, this uh, Hispanic nickname, so he's got a, a bit of intersectionality there. I'm trying to remember if uh, Bill De Blasio. I think Bill De Blasio uh, made the stage as well. He's uh, he's a communist as uh, as well. He will as much as tell you so without actually using the words. And of course, oh, uh, um, uh, little uh, Edward E. Newman, Pete Buttigieg, South Bend, Indiana mayor. He made the stage, and um, uh, he's got some intersectionality going there because he is gay. But uh, any, any sort of semblance of a moderate candidate, and most of the ones that were carrying that flag uh, were white men. They have been banished from the uh, the primary so far. So we've got uh, what we've got left is Biden, Sanders, Harris, Warren, Booker, Gillibrand, Klobuchar, O'Rourke. De Blasio, Buttigieg, I believe that's it. Julian Castro, um, Telsey Gabbert, uh, who was uh, um, a, a, a for, sort of a, a left-wing Democrat that uh, was preaching uh, staying out of uh, foreign entanglements. So she has also been banished because, uh, well, that ju- that that's just not allowed anymore. We have to. Uh, we have to be in support of these useless foreign wars where we spend uh, the, the nation's blood and treasure for no uh, good purpose. 
Well, uh, recently the Democrats at their their um, meeting out in San Francisco passed a resolution applauding non-religious Americans and criticizing churchgoers. The Democrat National Committee passed a first-of-its-kind resolution recognizing the ethical soundness and importance of religiously unaffiliated Americans while contending that such voters share the Democrat Party's values. Well, I think they probably do. The resolution, which passed at their summer meeting, was championed by the Secular Coalition of America, an organization that lobbies on behalf of atheists, agnostics, and humanists in public policy. The coalition said for the first uh, said it was the first time the party had embraced American non-believers, and it passed this resolution unanimously. So uh, the De- the Democrats are indeed truly uh, the godless party now. And if you're not aware of this, uh, if if you're paying your cell phone bill with one of the big cell phone companies, you're supporting this sort of agenda because they give to the Democrats and they give to these uh, these nonprofit foundations that support this kind of undermining of uh, uh, traditional American values. You can make a choice to go with Patriot Mobile. And, uh, and a portion of each of your cell phone bills will be donated to causes you support, including freedom of religion, freedom of speech, Second Amendment rights, and, and uh, a fight for life. You can call them or you can go online at patriotmobile.com. That's patriotmobile.com slash mojo50. Well, uh, there's, uh, the gun grabbers are in full force now. And we've got Joe Biden out there saying we've got to ban guns that have multiple bullets in the clip. Of course, I guess that would limit um, limit weapons to derringers and bolt-action rifles and maybe, um, you know, breech-loading shotguns. And, uh, and yesterday we had this, uh, this sad development that Walmart capitulated to the left-wing pressure and announced that they're going to um, stop selling um, some certain types of ammunitions in their stores, and they said they're going to discourage people from ca- open carry. I'm not sure if um, they can do that in the states where open carry has been passed as a law, but uh, that's that's the idea. And and of course, all of this is based on the uh, uh, the most recent mass shooting in Midland, Odessa, Texas, and uh, it's come out today that. Um, and, and I covered it yesterday on the show that uh, this guy had had a history and the, the police had uh, been called on him before and not responded to his house. Well, it turns out the police, including the FBI, knew exactly who this guy was. He had literally been calling uh, the FBI and the local police for years. And the local police and the FBI did not uh, do their due diligence and uh, visit the guy's home and make sure that, uh, you know, uh, a mentally unstable person was not in possession of firearms. I've got a clip here. This is from a local Odessa reporter uh, confirming this. 
Hey guys, good morning. So we're at the Odessa Police Department and uh, we're here because some really interesting information came out about the gunman that was involved in Saturday's shooting. We know that he had been calling police and the FBI for years, leaving these incoherent messages. And then on Saturday, he actually called them during and after the rampage and actually at one point admitted to being the shooter. So he had been calling the FBI and the local police for years they had, uh, uh, he had been, in fact, identified as a mentally ill person who was ineligible to buy a firearm. He obtained this firearm through a private sale. And this is where I'm going to say something that uh, might get me in trouble with some Mojo's listeners. I have all along supported uh, background checks uh, for the purchase of firearms, including uh, private sales. Now, I know, you know, that is a break with uh, gun right uh, orthodoxy, and it puts me on the wrong side of the issue with many of my listeners. But I do believe that uh, part of the argument for uh, the Second Amendment is that uh, we keep guns out of the hands of people that should not have them. And in order to do that, we're going to have to make sure that uh, any sale of uh, weapons to somebody goes through a background check. And this uh, this case in Midland, Odessa, uh, is a prime example of it. It shouldn't be uh, that difficult if you're contemplating a private sale of a firearm to someone to uh, just uh, pay a, a nominal fee at your local gun store to have them certify uh, that this this the sale uh, to this person uh, is uh, legally authorized. Um, you know, they call it the gun uh, show loophole. The truth of the matter is gun shows have been uh, running background checks for sales that happen on their premises for a long time now. And the only loophole left is when one person sells a gun, one private party sells a a gun to another private party. And that, that loophole is easily closed. I don't think it will impinge on uh, the legal purchase of guns by law abiding citizens. And I think uh, that is, something that should be done. I regret that it has to be done under this kind of pressure because, uh, you know, the, uh, the left is, is trying everything it's, it can to weaken the second amendment, but nevertheless, uh, we need to tighten that up so we can keep the guns out of the hands of, um, of mentally ill, uh, people at, to the greatest degree possible. I, I know it'll happen anyway, but uh, at least they won't be able to portray uh, the NRA as, uh, as radical on the issue, and, and they are indeed doing that. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors last week declared that the National Rifle Association is a domestic terror organization. Let me say that again. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors declared the National Rifle Association a domestic terror organization. Now, nobody... With a, a no member of the National Rifle Association has ever committed a mass murder. In fact, National Rifle Association uh, members have stopped many crimes, including mass shootings. I'm thinking of that uh, that one that uh, took place at the t- church in Texas, uh, where a NRA member confronted a, a, a shooter and uh, and was able to uh, chase him off. But this is San Francisco we're talking about. This is the the sanctuary city that couldn't even keep Kate Steinle's murderer in jail and and his 
conviction was recently overturned by a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals panel. And they can't even keep people from um, pooping on their streets. They they can't run the day-to-day business of a city, and yet they're going out of their way to smear a great organization like the National Rifle Association that's responsible for gun safety programs and making sure that guns uh, stay in the hands of law-abiding citizens. It's disgusting. We can talk about this uh, this topic all, all show, but uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about, I haven't said much about it so far, but the situation over there in Hong Kong with our guest, Warren Platts. Stick with us. We'll be back on uh, after two messages right here on right now on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming right at you on the Mojo Five O radio network. Well, you may have noticed for these uh, last couple of weeks that I haven't had much to say about the uprising in Hong Kong. And uh, there's a good reason for that. Uh, I, my experience has been that the United States does best when it stays out of other nations' uh, internal affairs. Almost every time we have uh, tried to uh, tell other nations uh, how to uh, govern themselves, I've found it uh, not only to be a disaster for America and and the cost of blood and treasure, but has also not worked out uh, for the people of that country. And I think uh, we probably do the Hong Kongers uh, a much better favor if we uh, if we stay out of it and let them fight their own fights, but uh, having said that, I do uh, sympathize with the Hong Kongers who have taken uh, to waving American flags and singing the national anthem in their uh, their battle against the uh, communist dictatorship that is trying to um, impose their will on Hong Kong. Um, my next guest is a keen observer on this issue and trying to China trade issues in general. And uh, he's written for Economic Nationalist Editorial, and uh, he's a scientist by trade. His name is Warren Platts, and you can follow him on Twitter at Warren Platts, that's with two T's, where you can keep up with the latest developments on this topic. Uh, Warren, thanks for joining us on right now. Uh, hi, Jim. Uh, love your radio show. It's a great honor to be here, sir. 
Well, it's good to talk to you. Um, so just to sort of bring our listeners up to date, since we haven't talked much about Hong Kong on this show, uh, I'm just going to sort of give a, a brief history. It was uh, uh, back at the turn of the 20th century that uh, England signed a 99-year lease with China for the territory of Hong Kong, uh, and that lease expired uh, in 1997, or 1998, I guess that would, yeah, 1997. And um, and as part of the handover, uh, China negotiated an agreement with Hong Kong that would allow Hong Kong to uh, carry on as they had been for the next 50 years. China is a very dynamic free market economy, and they were able to uh, negotiate with the communists to uh, conduct their own social, uh, legal, and commercial affairs. And now, as a result of uh, an extradition treaty that China is trying to impose on the Hong Kongers uh, so that they can uh, bring dissidents to the mainland and prosecute them, uh, we now have this, uh, this conflict. So, Warren, I was reading your, uh, your, your Twitter feed the other day, and I saw where some American uh, lawmakers, some Congress members, uh, had a secret meeting out in Montana with uh, some, uh, a delegation from Hong Kong. Tell us more about that. Well, well, yes, it was uh, uh, the, it was the, put out by the Mansfield Foundation, the Maureen and uh, Mike Mansfield Foundation, which was set up in the 1980s to, uh, you know, to create a better understanding with Asia, I guess. And uh, it was held somewhere in Montana um, from August 19th to the 21st, and it was supposed to be held under um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the Chasem House Rule. Chasem House rule, okay? And so the participants there were, it all promised not to speak about the very existence of the offense or its contents. And, um, and indeed, you know, the senator from, from Montana, um, uh, Senator uh, Daines, he, uh, Steve Daines, he was, um, um, you know, he was really mysterious about his own Twitter feed um, over those days. You know, in fact, on the 21st, you know, he, he posted a picture of himself in a, mountains in the wilderness in, uh, in Montana, you know, and he says, great few days in Montana, Zapsaroka, Beartooth Wilderness, just Cindy and me and, and the dogs, no trail to this lake, you know, so it makes it sound like he's just been up camping out in the mountains, right? But in the reality, is they're having this closed-door meeting with these people from Hong Kong, and, you know, included, you know, people who were, like, wanted to end this um, Hong Kong, uh, the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, and, you know, and they're calling to end it all together. So the, yeah. the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act is a, is a law in uh, being considered in the United States Congress that would uh, offer support to the uh, to the uprising in Hong Kong. Well, I think what it would do is like threaten sanctions if uh, you know if things things get violent there, you know, and so. Uh, so, so not only is uh, Steve Daines, the senator from Montana, he's a Republican, by the way. Uh, not talking about this off-the-record meeting. He's actually uh, being deceptive with the voters and what, in fact, he's up to there. I noticed that uh, some of the other attendees of this meeting uh, included uh, Representative Thomas Susie of New York and um, my, uh, well, a former representative from Georgia that I had some dealings with named Hank Johnson. You may recall that he was the uh, the congressman that questioned the U.S. Naval Admiral and wondered if Guam might capsize if we put too much too many naval personnel mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, Hank Johnson is not the sharpest tool in the shed at all. Was this group from Hong Kong, were they pro or anti-protesters? Uh, well, um, it was a mixture. Um, some of them were part of the Democracy Party, um, and, and others were, you know, the, the blunt, the hardliners. And so, you know, it was, uh, you know, so to be honest, it was a mixture. Um, and uh, you know, when, they, when the Hong Kong people got back, they had a press conference, and uh, according to some people in China, uh, people in tw- China tweeters, they uh, they kind of got in trouble for that because like, apparently the meeting wasn't even sanctioned by the uh, the people in Beijing either. Interesting. So, but uh, this seems to be like then, sort, uh, sort of shadow group uh, trying to conduct uh, foreign relations. Um, I guess uh, there is nothing in and of itself um, wrong with this, but the lack of transparency, you know, may that may fly in communist China. That is certainly not our tradition in the United States. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not the end of it, okay? You know, then the next week, I mean, I think he's probably still out there right now. You know, Senator Daines from Montana, he's, he went to Beijing um, to meet with uh, uh, Louis He, who's the, uh, the top trade negotiator for China. Um, him and another senator, Purdue. Um, I'm not sure where he, I'm not sure where Purdue's from, but Purdue's anyways, from Georgia, so they, and he had a long history. Um, he, he's oh, that's he's, right. Yeah. He's recently become sort of an immigration restrictionist, but uh, prior to that, he was um, in a consulting firm that specialized in advising big corporations on how to offshore their operations to China. So he's probably got quite a bit of experience over there, um, and and may have a lot of connections. Um, not necessarily to uh, America's benefit. Exactly. And uh, same with uh, um, Senator Daines from Montana. He uh, he spent like six years in China uh, working for Procter & Gamble, setting up factories over there. Um, you know, and then and then he, uh, with, with the, uh, the congressman from uh, 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 Montana, uh, Greg Gianforte, uh, they started this other company called New Right, Ironically, isn't that the name of your radio show? Right or, now. Right now, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was, that's what. Yeah, that's what they call it. Right now, it was a a, a, a software thing that allowed you know to just to, to streamline you know globalist operations. And so these guys were meeting on on Labor Day, um, and again, he said that another Labor Day. Labor Day of all days, they're over there. Um, you know, and, and I don't know for a fact that they were over there uh, undermining American workers, but uh, certainly based on their history, you would have to uh, wonder if that's not exactly what they were doing. Well, well, yeah, I wonder what they're talking about. I mean, is it just Montana beef? Uh, you know, you know, probably not. You know, I mean, you know, he said, you know, he said he did, which he, he wasn't really a secret. It came out in the Great Falls Tribune. And he said he was going under his um, auspices as a senator, and not um, not as a part of the uh, administration. So you know that's uh, you know so that's a back channel. Um, um, you know you got to wonder because like even on his Twitter feed, like on Labor Day, he says, "Well, we really got you know I'm really proud of our uh, Montana unions and, and our workers here." And meanwhile, he's in Beijing, uh, you know, talking to having communists. his own making his own side trade deals. Talking to communists who use slave labor and uh, are tr- cracking down on uh, dissidents uh, there in Hong Kong, reneging on their deal to allow Hong Kong to be um, a sovereign for at least the next fifty years. Um, 
you know, I, I've got a bit of experience with Hong Kong. I, I've been there. Uh, the people are um, very industrious, uh, very friendly. Uh, the place when I was there it was back in uh, '82, I guess it was, is the most densely populated mm-hmm. place on the planet. Uh, but it was a uh, uh, just an absolute hive of uh, economic activity, and I can understand why they're uh, they're chafing at the bit for the communist Chinese. But uh, I can tell you, if the communist Chinese think that they're going to suppress an uprising in Hong Kong, similar to what they did in Tiananmen Square. Um, they've got another mm-hmm. thing coming because uh, that will be, um, what would you call it, urban warfare on a grand scale, and uh, and uh, the bloodshed would be uh, just huge. Well, I don't, I don't know how many guns the people of Hong Kong have, you know. I mean, yes, maybe that's what the CIA should be doing, should be smuggling in arms. But, uh, but yeah, but, the, but, the, but in, a, in a way, I kind of hope they do that because that would uh, – give President Trump the uh, political cover to, you know, do a complete trade embargo on China. You know, really the only question is, you know, should we cut off their oil supplies or not? Well, we, we most certainly can't let China. We most certainly should stop trading with uh, China. The, uh, what we've done, you know, I, I opened the segment talking about um, how uh, Britain had obtained China from uh, our, uh, obtained Hong Kong. And I think it was Kowloon Island and Stonecutter Island from China mm-hmm. uh, after the opium wars back then uh, those were just territories and China was a, uh, a sleepy third world backwater and that uh, continued to be the case uh, up until the point where we started foolishly trading with them and created an economic and military superpower that now challenges uh, challenges us on uh, on the high seas and uh, and is uh, absolutely decimating our economy well we're, we're building them up you know, they're, they're using our dollars to, to build the, you know, what they want to have is the world's strongest military. I mean, and, you know, my daughter's in the Navy, and, uh, you know, so everybody who, who buys something from China is uh, helping China, you know, rearm so they can kill my daughter. You know, it's, it's, it's and, and, you know, I wish it was just the, uh, the, the government there. But, you know, the people, the people, you know, you'd be surprised. I was talking to this woman on Twitter this morning. You know, she's, she's out of one of those out people who gets paid 50 cents per tweet. She, she's the export marketer for a company that makes eyeglasses, and they do like $80 million in export business to the United States every year. And, you know, she's like, you know, and we're tired. And I'm, you know, I'm saying, well, what about the fentanyl exports? And she's like, we actually don't care what PRC do to other countries. We just care about what they do to us. You know, we are enemy, like, forever, okay? You know, so this woman, she's very smart. She vacations in France. She's worldly. And yet, you know, she thinks the United States is the enemy. And, you know, they can literally consider themselves at war with us. And, uh, you know, we need to wake up to that fact. You know, uh, you know, if, they're, if, they're, you know <laughs> if they're at war with us, we need to be at war with them. Well, I've said for a long time that, uh, you know, uh, we're engaged in a trade war with China, and they're engaged in an actual war with us by other means. It's, exactly. it's economic, and uh, it's also military. And, uh, you know, these huge shipments of fentanyl over here, you can't tell me that they can uh, – manufacture and export that quality of uh, of this deadly synthetic opioid without the knowledge and um, complicity of the communist Chinese dictatorship? No, absolutely not. I mean, the Mexican customs just busted a shipment from Shanghai, 25 tons. It was like an entire, entire container load full of nothing but fentanyl. You know, how, you, know you can't do a 25-ton shipment 
in Shanghai without the government knowing about it. And that twi- that uh, you know, that shipping container uh, full of fentanyl contain or uh, represents uh, just abject misery and death to American people. And uh, the idea that we're over there trying to negotiate trade agreements in our our insatiable thirst for cheap labor is kind of sickening, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's stupid, is what it is. You know. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, you got to wonder how he got into this situation in the first place. And uh, greed. If you look back in history, uh, the the search for cheap labor is uh, at the uh, at the bottom of a, a lot of the um, disasters that have gone on in history. Well, you know, Jim, it's uh, you'd think it's just 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 mean corporate greed that got where we're at, but that's kind of what it's devolved into. But that's not really uh, the whole story. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to look at the history of today's globalism, you got to go back to the earlier globalist area, which was the turn of the 19th century up to about World War One. Now, in those days, there was the, the main paradigm was you know developing countries would send uh, raw materials and agricultural products to to, to developed countries like England, you know, and uh, they in turn would send manufactured goods back to the developing countries, but around World War One, that system kind of broke down for two two main reasons. Um, one, commodity prices, you know, went down. You know, for example, during World War One, the British blockaded the Germans, you know, from their rubber supplies. You know, and so what did the Germans do? They, the German chemists invented synthetic rubber, and so they no longer so we no longer need rubber from Malaysia and other tropical countries because we can just make it ourselves. Similarly, in the agricultural revolution, you know, tractors and artificial fertilizers, um, you know, allowed uh, developing developed countries to become major food exporters, and so the whole global trade system kind of broke down. Uh, you know, it wasn't because of smooth holly tariffs; it just it just wasn't working out anymore. Well, you know, one now, of the ironies it, of the story you just told is that if you look at the profile of the American economy right now, we're starting to take the contours of a third world economy ourselves where we export uh, commodities and agriculture and uh, import the uh, the manufactured value-added goods um, largely financed by debt. Yes, exactly. Like, like our natural gas, uh, um, you know, exports, uh, you know, that's, if you ask me, you know, I mean, as a geologist, you know, I'd like, you know, you want to, if, if you work in the oil field, you want prices as high as possible, but, you know, if you're a, a manufacturer, you want low energy prices, you know, and so, you know, that was kind of our comparative advantage. We had all this, this low energy prices, and now we're exporting, and all that's done is uh, raise prices for us and lower prices for our competitors, and it's, it, you know. Well, Warren, I've been saying but, on this show for a long time, we've got 50 states, abundant resources, a good trained workforce, a fantastic legal system. And uh, plenty of infrastructure. Uh, we've got everything we need for a healthy, vibrant economy right here, and we should only trade exactly. when it is in uh, the interests of American workers. Well, you know that's the way it used to be. It used to be it was called the American system. You know, it was designed by you know Alexander Hamilton and Henry Clay and Abraham Lincoln back in the day. You know, there the you know the goal was high wages for workers. Why? Because if workers have a lot of money in their pockets, then they can afford to buy more stuff, and you know, and then their then companies can can make more money in the long run, you know. And also, high wages provide an incentive for the companies to innovate, 
and make the country more productive. You know, and that's, that's the only way to really grow an economy is to become more and more productive, you know, through automation. But while automation may kill some jobs in some sectors, in the long run, it makes the country better off, you know. Warren Platt is a research and development scientist. He writes at Economic Nationalist Editorial. You can follow him on Twitter at Warren Platts, that's with two T's, and keep up with the latest developments uh, from China and from Hong Kong. Warren, thanks for joining us on right now. All right. Hey, thank you, Jim. You have a great radio show, and keep up the good work, sir. Fantastic talking to you. Take care. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathroom. If you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. Well, we've got a little bit of good news to report on the border front. Uh, The administration has uh, preparing to transfer $3.6 billion from military funds for border wall construction. I wouldn't myself call that a transfer. I would say that that is actually using it for the national defense, exactly what uh, the U.S. military is there for. But, of course, uh, the Democrats and their handmaidens in the media are absolutely melting down. They're freaking out over this. Uh, It was just uh, yesterday that the defense secretary, Mark Esper, called old Nancy uh, to detail the cash transfer, explaining that about half of the funding will come from military construction projects outside the U.S. and half from within the country. This uh, prompted CNN, so-called fake news, well, so-called reporter, actually fake news reporter, Phil Mattingly, to tweet that uh, 127 million uh, uh, military products projects would be put on hold to fund about 175 miles of border wall. That is fantastic news. Uh, but uh, they're calling this a cash grab and a raid on military um, funds and uh, uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill, Democrat and Republican, are freaking out because a lot of their personal projects are getting gored. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who is never at a loss for something stupid to say, accused the White House of cannibalizing the military. He says, it's a slap in the face to members of the armed forces who serve our country that real Donald Trump is willing to cannibalize already allocated military funding to boost his own ego and for a wall that he promised Mexico would pay for. 
not exactly sure how you determine that building a wall on the southern border is uh, just a boost to somebody's ego when it is obviously so desperately needed and that the uh, Border Patrol agents tell us is the most effective thing uh, that can be uh, that can be done. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who is always uh, never at a, a loss for something stupid to say, says to pay for his xenophobic border wall, Trump is about to weaken our national security by stealing billions from our military, including training and intelligence funds from our soldiers and poaching from critical projects our service members need. You know, I'm I'm not sure where border security uh, lost the definition of national defense. Uh, these same lawmakers that are now decrying Trump for spending these these funds on the border uh, have been repeatedly voting for billions and billions of dollars for the United States to protect the borders of countries in the Middle East like Iraq and Libya and Syria and Afghanistan. But you spend just a fraction what did the uh, f- what was the final tab on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan? I think it was upwards of four trillion dollars. You spend a, just a, a drop in the bucket compared to that, protecting our own people and our own border. <laughs> and these lunatics absolutely melt down. And this was just uh, as we mentioned in this last segment when. After last week, when Mexican authorities seized 25 tons of fentanyl from China that was bound for the United States, enough to kill tens of millions of people. Now, that is a true national security issue. And if we can't find, or if Congress can't find enough money to build a wall down on the border, I I absolutely support this president doing whatever it takes to uh, secure those funds. Well, Ilhan Omars, the uh, the freshman congressman from Minnesota, one of the first two Muslim women in uh, the United States Congress, who has uh, who, as you probably know, married her brother in order to facilitate his illegal immigration to this country, and uh, and uh, has been you know radically anti-Semitic since she arrived in Congress, has been caught carrying on a long-term affair with a Democrat consultant to her campaign and there is uh, every reason to believe that she used her campaign funds to facilitate this illicit affair well her husband has now decided that he wants a divorce and uh, the 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 guy that Ilhan is accused of carrying on with uh, claims that uh, this didn't happen but Ilhan Omar and father of uh, husband and father of her three children is now uh, filing for divorce, she has moved out of the family home and in, into a luxury high rise. So, the uh, you got to say one thing for them: the entertainment value of the squad uh, knows no ends because these uh, these women are all unstable. They're all anti-American, and they all, I believe, uh, will be uh, one-term congressmen. But I'm glad that they're there to illustrate what the Democrat Party has become uh, so that the rest of us can know that if uh, if we continue to vote for Democrats, that that is what they have in mind for us. So I got an email from uh, Tyler Budd. I'm not sure if Budd is his last name or just his Gmail handle, but uh, he was 
responding to a previous segment we had done with Stacey Abrams giving a speech at a United Auto Workers Union Hall in Atlanta. And I pointed out that uh, there are no longer any uh, auto plants in Metro Atlanta that uh, as a result from NAFTA, all of those jobs uh, went down to Mexico and are long since gone. You got the poor old UAW uh, in Atlanta now running around trying to organize taxi drivers, for God's sakes. But I pointed out that the union movement had allowed itself to be hijacked by the Democrat Party and turned into an identity politics organization. And Tyler uh, sent me an email. He said, I've thought that for years regarding Stacey Abrams and the Democrats, which is the exact template that communists and socialists use. He goes on to say, any organization that operates like a labor union, schools, churches, or et cetera, that recruit others to join the pack as a member doesn't strive for the members to be the very best they can. They're collective in nature, everything for the, uh, for the state and for the good of the state. Introduction, development of members will never exceed the leadership of the group. No real freedom, controlled, fascist leftists. Well, I don't entirely agree that uh, unions in and of themselves are bad. Uh, they can become bad, and I, I think uh, the, the collapse in union membership illustrates quite clearly that that is exactly what's happened to the labor movement in the United States. I was a, a union representative for the firefighters in Atlanta and Georgia, and I can tell you every time we tried to go to a, a, a labor meeting, it was always always ended up being hijacked by one identity group or another. I, I remember bringing my members to uh, to one event in particular where uh, the uh, the podium was hijacked by uh, somebody trying to get amnesty for cop killers. Um, that one up in uh, Philadelphia, I think, is Mumar, and uh, and one down in Savannah, Georgia. They were uh, they were saying that uh, we should be there to support these cop murderers getting away with it. Uh, that's a surefire way to turn off working people, and that's what exactly what it did to my members. Well, I want to thank you for joining us right here on right now. And invite you back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive-through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. A perspective you'll benefit from from a custodian you can rely on, one who can help navigate the big picture, and whose products give you a competitive edge, one who considers everything, what will help you succeed today and tomorrow. Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash go independent. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC.